Today on Awaken to Grace, we are going to talk about the all-important city of Babylon. And you know, so many Christians have questions about Babylon. It's such a large theme throughout our entire Bible. And one of the big questions that we're going to answer today, is Babylon a city or is Babylon a system? And we're going to answer that question today out of Revelation chapter 17 and chapter 18. This is part of a series called All Things New as we are working our way chapter by chapter through the book of Revelation. Well, today is part four of the end of our series and we're titling it All Things New. And today we're going to talk about the mystery and the fall of Babylon. I hope that you're following Awaken to Grace, uh, whatever platform you're listening to this on. We hope that you will consider downloading our free mobile app. Just go to your app store and look up Awakened to Grace. I also hope you'll subscribe to our podcast. It is simply called Awakened to Grace with Chad Roberts, and you can get it wherever you get your favorite podcast. Now let's go to God's Word today, Revelation chapter 17 and 18. They go together, and we are going to study and understand the mystery and the fall of Babylon. All right, Revelation chapter 17. Today we're talking the mystery and the fall of Babylon. Let's begin, Caleb, chapter 17, verse 1, please. Chapter 17, verse 1 says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. Okay. So let's understand, first of all, we are in a continuation of chapter 16. You remember seven angels, as we studied last week, poured out seven bowls, or you could say seven vials of judgment upon the earth. And when the seventh bowl is poured out in chapter 17 at the end, it says that the wrath of God is completed. Now, that's very interesting. But when we come to chapter 17, one of the angels that poured out the bowl tells John, in essence, God has one more agenda item before Christ returns. See, chapters 17 and 18, and the reason we're covering them together today is because really the two chapters fit together. It's kind of, a, of an intermission between what is the last of the seven bowls and the second advent of Christ. The literal, physical second coming of Christ. And it's fascinating to me. We're going to see today what God really thinks of Babylon and how important that the destruction and the demise of Babylon is important to God Almighty. And it is though the angel is saying to John, there is one more great agenda item, and then everything is ready for Christ to return. So understand where we are in the book. We've come through the seal judgments, through the trumpet judgments, and now the seven bowl judgments are complete. And in the same flow of that, 
one of the angels that had the seven bold judgments is now going to show John the mystery and the fall of Babylon the Great. What I'm going to attempt to answer today is number one, why is Babylon a mystery? Number two, where did Babylon come from? And number three, is Babylon a literal physical city or is Babylon a system? So let's understand where we are. Now John is going to see this woman who represents Babylon. Caleb, take us through it and give us the details of it. Verse 3, And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names. And it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. Okay, let's pause right there. Now let's understand a few things because this is very bizarre scripture, isn't it? Very odd wording. So let's understand a few things. First of all, why is Babylon a mystery? Now, I want you to understand a principle in God's word. You know, there are many mysteries that scripture mentions. There's a large handful of certain mysteries. Paul talks about the mystery of the church. Paul talks about the mystery of lawlessness. There are many different mysteries that Scripture mentions. Well, when you and I think in our English, in our Western way of thinking of mystery, we think of something that cannot be solved. But that's not really the biblical idea. The biblical idea of mystery is something that has been concealed, something that has been hidden, and is now revealed. Okay? So think, for example, like the username or the password to your bank account. That should be a mystery to everyone, correct? But if someone discovers your password, it is now revealed, right? The idea biblically of mystery is something that was concealed, but now revealed. And now God wants to show us the mystery of Babylon. Now, why is it compared to a prostitute? Why is this idea of Babylon compared to a prostitute? In Scripture, again, in our thinking, when we think of a prostitute, we think only in terms of biological terms, right? And Scripture thinks of prostitution in two ways, not just biological. As a matter of fact... The woman that broke the alabaster box at the feet of Jesus and wiped her feet with her hair. You remember that? She was a prostitute. Do you know that in Bible days, women did not wear perfume unless they were a prostitute? That was one of their calling cards. And when that woman brings in the alabaster jar of costly perfume, and she breaks it. Do you know, in essence, what she's doing? She's walking away from her lifestyle. She's trading it in. She's telling Jesus, I'll never go back to who I was. How beautiful. 
But see, Scripture not only speaks of prostitution in a biological sense, it speaks in a spiritual sense. So when the Bible says that Babylon is the mother of all prostitutes, do you know what in essence it's saying? It is saying that Babylon is the source. It is the mother of all false religions. It is the mother of all cults. It's the mother of all falsehoods, of all false teaching, of all wrong doctrine, of all error. Babylon is the mother. It is the source of it all. Babylon is the fountain bed of every wrong teaching. And you know, as we're praying so fervently over that part of the world, the Southeast Asia and the Southwest Asia and the entire Orient, oh, I think of the strongholds that are over those regions. I think of the false religions that have a grip over those religions. You know, I went to Vietnam some years ago. And I was on the Cambodian and Vietnam border. And I walked into a temple. I visited a temple and, and a, a Kaodai temple. And they had this massive statue that hundreds of people were bowing down and worshiping. I was reading this week Isaiah chapter 44 on what God says of idolatry, of idol worship. And what is idol worship? What is idolatry? It is a false religion. It is false. And the Bible says that Babylon is the mother of it all. So why is it a mystery? It's because what was concealed is now revealed. Continue, Caleb. Verse 6, and I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. Okay, now we're going to get into this in just a moment because, again, the angel is going to interpret this for us. There's no guesswork here. What are the seven heads? What are the ten horns? We're going to explain that. But understand, this beast that she is riding, the idea here is that she is steering the beast. Who is the beast? We met him in chapter 13. He is the Antichrist. He is this world ruler. He is this world dictator. Now, I find it interesting, and I want you to understand what I believe is a clear distinction in the book of Revelation because I think, this is, I think this is key. In our culture, and there's no way of getting rid of it because it's just embedded in our Western culture of the church, we call this beast, this world ruler, this dictator, we call him the Antichrist. But you know what's very interesting? Revelation never calls him the Antichrist. John writes of the Antichrist. He writes of Antichristos. That is the Greek term for Antichrist. And he speaks of it in 1st and 2nd and 3rd John in those small letters. He speaks of Antichrist. And remember Jesus said in the last days there's going to be many Antichrist. What does the word Antichrist mean? Antichristos. It means instead of or against is, is our English way of saying it. Against Christ. Anti. Against Christ. 
But John never uses the word antichrist, antichristos in Revelation. He uses one primary word for this world dictator, and it's therion, which means beast. He uses the word therion, not antichristos. I think that's a clear distinction. Why? Because the Bible teaches there'll be many antichrists. Was Hitler an antichrist? Yes. Was Mussolini an antichrist? Yes. Was Stalin an antichrist? Yes. There'll be many antichrists that come and go throughout history. But who is this one world ruler? He is Therion. He is the beast. And the imagery here, even though it's very odd and very bizarre to our Western ears, the image here is that the woman who represents Babylon sits on the beast. In other words, she's controlling. She is guiding. She is steering the beast. Now, let's answer this question before we get into the angel's interpretation. Where did Babylon come from? You have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 10 and chapter 11 to understand where Babylon came from. If you're going to take notes, here's just a few facts for you. The Bible is a story of two great cities, Jerusalem and Babylon. Jerusalem is mentioned in the Bible more than any city mentioned in Scripture. Babylon is the second most mentioned city. You can find the word Babylon nearly 300 times from Genesis to Revelation. Isn't that interesting? 300 times Scripture mentions Babylon. It's a narrative of two cities, Jerusalem, Babylon. Now, what's interesting, when we come to chapter 21 in October, what, is, what does John call the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven? He describes it while, while the Bible describes Babylon here in 17 and 18 as a prostitute, foul, vile, unclean. How does the Bible portray the new Jerusalem? As a bride adorned for her, for her husband, holy and pure and radiant and joyful. Isn't that interesting? As you study Revelation, you see clear distinctives. You see different narratives. And here we see the narrative. Here is Jerusalem as a bride adorned for her husband. And here is Babylon the Great as an unclean prostitute and the mother of all prostitutes. In other words, the mother of all false religions. So where did Babylon come from? You go back to Genesis chapter 10. We're introduced. This is the post-flood era. We're introduced to a man who became the first world dictator. He is the first global ruler. And do you know what his name is? Nimrod. Now, that's not a nickname for your teenagers. Nimrod was a... He was the first global ruler. And he ruled over the Tower of Babel. This, these are the roots of Babylon. And what does the Tower of Babel represent? If you're going to take notes, note this. It was the height of man's rebellion against God. 
It was the first self-made religion. And it was the first global rebellion, the first organized rebellion against God. God told the people of that day, scatter upon the earth and multiply. And what did they do? They clustered and said, we will build a tower that reaches into the heavens. And what was at that time, the height of human ingenuity is going to be mirrored in the last days. And I believe that just as Nimrod was the first global world ruler of Babylon, so the beast, the Therion, or what we call in our culture the Antichrist, the Antichristos, is going to be the last world ruler in what will one day be Babylon. Are we on the same page? Now, Scripture is getting ready to get very complicated. Say amen if you're with me right now. I had a cup of coffee right before this sermon. Let's pray it helps me because this is... Okay, Caleb. Now, take us through this because this is... He's going to talk about the seven kings. Five have fallen. One is. Another is to come. And then an eighth is going to rise up and be part of the seven. What in the world? This scripture of all scriptures, made me scratch my head. So let's understand it. Take us through it, Caleb. Verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. So the beast, let's understand, is the world ruler, Therion. This is what we would call the Antichrist. Okay, continue. And the dwellers on earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will marvel to see the beast. Now, that is an important phrase. Don't forget, throughout our entire study, we've identified different categories of people. We've seen the 24 elders. We have seen uh, uh, Israel. We've seen angels. We've seen the four living creatures. We've seen the tribulation saints. And then, who are these, what we've called, earth dwellers? Those who dwell upon the earth? Who are they? Scripture gives the clear identification right here. They are those whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundations of the world were laid. Continue. Verse 9. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. Okay, so let's pause right there. You who want to be students of prophecy, you who want to understand prophecy, note this in your notes. When it comes to prophecy, mountains in the Bible represent governments. They represent kingdoms. They represent empires. You have to go back to Daniel chapter 2 in King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Do you remember there is the large statue that he saw? And do you remember the description of the large statue? There was the golden head, which represented the Babylonian Empire. And then the silver chest, which represented uh, the Persian Empire under Cyrus the Great. 
And then there was the bronze thighs, which represented the Greek empire, which was Alexander the Great. And then there were the two legs of iron, which represented the Roman empire. And then there were the two feet, which were mixed with clay and iron. And what happened to the statue? A stone crashes into the feet of the, of the statue. And who is the stone? Jesus Christ. And what is that stone? It's his second coming, which we're going to study next week in chapter 19. And when the stone crashes into the statue, which represents the global empires of the earth, of all human history, and when the stone crashes in and the kingdoms of the world fall, then what happens? A mountain forms. The government of God, the kingdom of Christ, the millennial kingdom And what happens? The mountain grows and covers the entire earth. Mountains and prophecy speaks of empires. It speaks of kingdoms. It speaks of governments. And so the angel is going to tell John, the seven mountains are seven kingdoms. They represent seven kings. Okay, take me through it slowly, Caleb. They are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen... One is, the other has not yet come. Okay, now let's under, you've got to understand Daniel's statue to understand this piece of scripture. Seven kings. Okay, if you go back to world, how many of you love history? Raise your hand if you love history. I can't see you. Don't raise your hand on a blind preacher. My goodness. <laughs> That's the blind leading the blind. Lord help us. Say amen if you like history. Eh, Some of you. All right. I don't want to make you you that don't love history. I don't want to make you yawn here. But can't. But listen. Let's understand God's word because this is fascinating. So say amen if you're with me. Seven world kingdoms. You had the Egyptian kingdom under the pharaohs. You had the Assyrian kingdom. If you want to take notes, note this. The Egyptians, the Assyrians. That would have been a vast majority of our Old Testament. Then you come to Daniel's day. And under Daniel, we have the chapter 2, the King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Okay, now you have the Babylonian kingdom, the head of gold. And then you have the Persian kingdom under Cyrus the Great. Josephus tells us that when Cyrus the Great walked into Babylon and met the aged Daniel, Daniel would have been in his 90s, Daniel gave him a scroll of Isaiah 44. And on Isaiah 44, you can read it for yourself. In Isaiah 44, at the end of the chapter of Isaiah 150 years before Cyrus the Great was born, God said he's going to raise Cyrus up as one of his shepherds. Can you imagine what Cyrus thought when he receives a scroll from 150 years ago and God says, you don't know me, but God says, I know you. (laughs) Can you imagine what that man thought? And it's all predicted. Why is prophecy so important? Because God declares the end. From the beginning, it tells us that God is sovereign and God is in full control. 
Thank you so much for listening to our broadcast today. I did want to take just a moment and mention our store. If you go to our website, awakenedtograce.com, just navigate to the store page and you're going to find music by all of our Awakened artists and plenty of books by Pastor Chad. Also, while you're on the website, you can view Pastor Chad's story about his blindness and what the Lord is doing through him through Awakened to Grace and through our church, Preaching Christ Church. Thank you so much for joining us today on Awakened to Grace.